Genesis chapter 3, last Sunday morning we're, we focused on our God being the God of good. And we looked intently at Genesis chapter 1 to see how very good God is. In a bad world, we need to never forget how good the Lord is. And if your life is bad, I want you to know that God is a good God. And in Genesis chapter 3, before we can hardly get into the Bible and into humanity, we have to have a God that is not just a God of good, but we have to have a God of forgiveness. And I want to thank the Lord this morning that He is such a forgiving God. There's not anyone in here today that doesn't need a God of forgiveness. And maybe what you think you have done or what you're in need of may not seem so bad to you, but in Genesis chapter 3, it didn't seem to be such a heinous crime to just take of a tree God told them not to, but it was. Sin is always destructive and terrible even if people don't see it to be so. And we are fallen people that need the forgiveness of God. And I want to tell you, if you leave here without something forgiven, it's your fault. It's not God's fault. There is enough forgiveness available to you today that whatever sin doth so easily beset you or whatever Satan has bound you up with, it can be forgiven today if you'll come to the God of forgiveness. But I'm looking at Genesis chapter 3 and the verses that I want to read before we go through the chapter together. Briefly, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I want to look at Genesis chapter 3 from more of God's standpoint than Adam and Eve's standpoint. I, I want to ask you how you would feel if you were God and you made everything good and you communicated with Adam and Eve and you talked to them and you fellowshiped with them. And then along in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 1, you read this. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, 
God had said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. The first thing I see as we look at man's failure, and you've got to see man's failure before you can see God's forgiveness. You know, if you don't see your failure, you can never be forgiven because you don't have anything to be forgiven of. If you can't see your sin, there's no forgiveness with God uh, with people that aren't convinced of their sin. Jesus said, Jesus said, he's not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He didn't even come for the righteous. You know, why was there nobody down here that was righteous? He came for the sinners. He brought plenty of forgiveness. You know, a lot of people talk about forgiveness, but they don't want to acknowledge and understand their sin and their failure. There is no forgiveness without you acknowledging your sin and your failure. There is no forgiveness. So we have to look at man's failure. The first failure of man was that she is listening to the serpent instead of listening to God. What an offense. Now, maybe if, if you were God, if I were God, I, I'd want to come down, you know, and have a conversation with you. Hey, hey, quit talking to the devil. If you want to talk to somebody, talk to me. Isn't it, isn't it crazy that some people would, would rather fellowship with the devil and listen to the devil and listen to the devil's words and listen to the devil's lies and instead of talking to God and fellowshipping with God and hearing the voice of God? Wasn't that a pretty picture where the Bible said the voice of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day? Isn't that a wonderful, serene picture of God wanting to talk to Adam and Eve and yet she would rather talk to the devil? That would be pretty offensive to me if I was God. I mean, God didn't have to talk to her. God didn't have to talk to either one of them. He, he could have just put them on the planet and stepped back. You know, we're not theistic evolutionists. We don't believe that God created the world and just stepped back and didn't have anything to do with it anymore. No, no, God's very involved in his creation. And God's reaching out to man and God's trying to talk to man. And he didn't have to do that. What a privilege it is. And here comes the serpent, says, Eve, let's talk a minute. If she was smart, she said, I don't want to talk to you. I got somebody else better I like to talk to. Amen. How, how, would, you, um, how would you men feel if, if your wife carried on intimate conversations with some, some other man? Just a conversation. So, well, they didn't do anything. Would that be all right with you? No, it wouldn't be all right with you. Why do you think God felt when Eve is carrying on a conversation with the devil? Probably the same way he feels when we listen to the devil instead of listening to the words of God. What did did the serpent, what did that old serpent, what did the devil, that dragon, what did he say to Eve? You know what he said to her? I'll summarize it in this way before I get to the words he said. He says, you know what, Eve? God's really not good to you. You see, that's why we preach the first message on the God of good. Because the first attack of the devil on humankind is trying to talk to Eve and telling her that God is really not as good as she thinks he is. That's what the devil wants to tell people. He's not that good. 
If he's so good, why is he not letting you take of that tree right there? Why is he restricting you? A good God would never restrict you. What a liar, what a deceiver the devil is. And he still is today to try to tell you that God's not good. Any restriction that God has in our lives is for our good. It's for our help. He don't want you to take that middle tree because if you do, you're going to have pain, you're going to have death, you're going to have destruction, your kids are going to die. He said, yeah, he's a good guy. He said, don't eat of that one. But the devil's saying, oh, God's holding out on you. And she said, of all the trees of the garden, we may freely eat, but can't have that one. Well, look at all the ones you can have. You tell me God's not good. Look at all the trees you can eat. I don't know how it was in the Garden of Eden. I don't even know how much work they had to do. They probably just went, just grabbed whatever they wanted. I mean, grapefruits popping out and oranges and apples and pears and plums. Amen. Everything just popping out. And they're just enjoying it. And it's in the cool of the day. It's a perfect temperature. Never too hot. Never too cold. Nothing to be afraid of. All the animals, you go out and pet the lion, you know. Lay down, big boy. Go to the giraffe. Amen. Play with it a while. Everything's perfect. She was the most beautiful woman in the world. Ladies, can you imagine being in a world where you never had to be envious of anybody? You're the most beautiful woman in the world. You have no rivals. That's a great, that, what a setup. And Adam has no rivals. He's got the most beautiful woman in the world. God is so good to them. And the devil says, he's not really that good. How do you, you think the Lord felt about that conversation? You know he knew about it. He judges the motives of God. God just doesn't want you to eat that tree because you, you, he's holding out on you. You'll, you'll be like him. You're, you're really missing something. Yeah, you're missing heartache. And then, then as the devil keeps talking, as she keeps listening to the servant, he, he questions God's authority. Did God really say that? Is the Bible really true? Well, let's just change it. Let's change what God said. And then let's just deny it. So he twists what God said and he adds to what God said. And then he just flat out denies what God said and tells her, ye shall not surely die. And and I guess she believes him because who would take a tree knowing they're going to die when they take the tree? Satan attacked God's goodness. Satan attacked God's motive. Satan attacked God's restrictions. Satan attacked God's authority. Satan attacked God's judgment. He is, God's really not going to judge you. God's really not going to kill you. There is really no consequence. That's what our world says every day. And hell is still real and the devil will tell you it doesn't exist. The devil will tell you, you know, there's only one thing that God will tell you about the love of God. He'll tell you that God loves you so much that he'll never judge your sin. And that is a lie. 
because he judged his own son on the cross of Calvary because he took our sins. So she's listening to the serpent instead of God. And then I want you to see in verse number 8, the Bible says, look at man's failure. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden the cool of day, and Adam and, his, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. He said in verse 10, I was afraid and I hid myself. They're, they're not only listening to the serpent, but they're hiding from the presence of God. They don't want to be in the presence of God anymore. They want to be away from the presence of God. What a slight on God. God's coming to look for you and you don't want to be found. God wants to spend time with you, but you don't want to spend time with Him. Are you listening to me? I ain't think that made God feel. So you're talking to the devil, you're hiding from my presence, and then you have sinned by taking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you've brought a curse on yourself, and you've brought a curse on your children, and you brought a curse on the ground, and you brought a curse on the animals. What you have just done, you have not only listened to the devil, you're not only trying to get away from me, but you have now destroyed everything that I have done that was so good. Now there's thorns coming up. There were no thorns before the failure of man. Now animals are going to fight and fuss and eat each other. That was not, that didn't happen before man's failure. There was no sorrow in conception. There was no pain at childbirth. There was no pain to labor. There were no heartaches. There were no graveyards. There were no diseases. Even the creation was ruined by Adam and Eve just didn't ruin their life. They ruined everything. You understand? Now we have deserts. The Bible says the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. That's Romans chapter 8. The creation hurts because of Adam's, man's failure. Now, now, Adam and Eve are going to have children. They're going to die. They're going to die because of their failure. God never intended there to be graveyards. God never intended for there to be a, a world full of violence. They have ruined the, the greatest creation. They have ruined the good things of God. They've ruined paradise. They've ruined a dream world. Now, now, now remember what I'm trying to preach to you about this morning. How do you think God felt about that? If it took six days for God to do all that. You say, that's not very long. For God? It took God Almighty six days to do all that. And man messed it all up in one moment of time. Let me ask you. Have you ever worked real hard on something and somebody just crashed right through it and destroyed it? I'm trying to think of some examples. I remember I was on staff at a church. I was an assistant pastor and there was an 80-year-old pastor there. 
And we made, well, I had a cake made. It was like this big. It had 80 candles on it. When they walked in the building, you had thought there was a forest fire. It was beautiful. We spent a lot of money. And here come the deacons down, and we're singing happy birthday to you. And about halfway, he dropped the cake. <laughs> this perfect, every, the scene was set, the money was paid, the cake was beautiful. Really? <laughs> and the funny thing, you know what he's doing? He's picking the cake up, trying to put it back. <laughs> It's like, you know, you buy a new car and you don't get down the road and somebody runs into it. (laughs) Or something you've put a lot of time into and in comes the kid (laughs) and destroys it all. And you're just like, God did all this good and man destroyed it all. Destroyed himself. Destroyed the creation. Everything's cursed. Why do I tell you that? Because this is what I want to say. Only a great God with immense forgiveness would not have just wiped them off the planet. Do you know how forgiving God had to be not to destroy them in a moment of time after they did, after they listened to the servant, after they didn't want to be around him, after, after they ruined his whole creation? How forgiving must God be? And we know, we see God's forgiveness in the chapter because God knew what they had done and he goes and calls for Adam. Adam! Oh, how forgiving God is to want to still find man after he's ruined everything, after he's sinned against God Almighty, after he's listened to the devil, after he's destroyed life, not just for himself, but all humanity for thousands of years to come. And God is such a forgiving God, he still wants to find Adam. Where are you, Adam? I see the forgiveness of God in that. I see God's forgiveness in the fact that He's looking for you. You and I have offended God so many times, it's a wonder He won't even be around us. But why, why can't He is such a good, forgiving God that he, he wants us to be reconciled. He wants to still have fellowship with the ones that messed everything up. Where are you, Adam? The Lord God called unto Adam. If somebody would have ruined all that for you, you probably never want to speak to them again. I see God calling Adam. I see forgiveness, a forgiving heart in that. And then would you look over verse 21? The Bible says unto Adam also and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them? You can see forgiveness of God written all over that. They can't clothe their nakedness. They don't know what to do. 
They can't hide their sin. They're all exposed. They, they don't know where to turn. They've ruined everything and they have no ability to do anything about it. So God closed them. God reaches down and sacrifices some animal and takes and sheds that blood and takes those skins and God Himself makes coats and He closed them and He covers them. It, that's forgiveness if you've ever seen it in the Bible. I'll give you several references to that. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10 says I will greatly rejoice in the Lord and my soul shall be joyful in my God for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation he hath covered me with the robe of righteousness in other words I was naked I I needed salvation and God himself clothed me with a garment of salvation he gave me a robe of righteousness Job said in Job 29, 14, I put on righteousness and it clothed me. You have an illustration in Zechariah chapter 3. Here's Joshua, the high priest. He stands before God. He's so filthy. He has filthy garments. Such a picture of us with our sin. Looks just like Adam and Eve in the garden. They, they are dirty. They are sinful. And the Bible said in Zechariah 3 that the Lord says... Take his filthy garments away and give him a different robe. Give him garments of righteousness. Clothe him with salvation. And God clothed that man that stood in all those filthy garments. You see that in the New Testament with the maniac of Gadara. He wear no clothes. He's just as naked as Adam. Amen. And by the way, you show how devil possessed you are, how much you like to be naked. That's just free. The maniac, he's full of the devil, and he wear no clothes, and he's taking his clothes off. But then he meets Jesus, and he finds a forgiving God, and he finds a saving God. And they came, and they looked, and they found that maniac of Gadara sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed. And in his right mind, you know what? A God of forgiveness will clothe you. You remember the prodigal son? He's in that hog pit. He's, he's filled his life with sin, wasted his substance with riotous living and harlots. And he goes back to the father's house. And what a picture of God. And the father, the father could have been mad at him, could have been vengeful. He wasted all the money that he gave him. He just destroyed everything. And here the prodigal comes back. And what does the father say? The father says, go kill the fatted calf and go, amen, get the best robe and put the best. Clothe my son! I'm telling you, see forgiveness in that. Paul the Apostle says, Be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness which is of God by faith. If you'll just trust him, God will forgive you and he'll, he'll put that, he'll, put, he'll clothe you. I see forgiveness in that. You say, Why did he clothe him? Were they sorry for what they've done? I think so. Would you go back the verse right before God clothing them? Look what Adam does. In verse 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why did he do that? <laughs> it would be better termed to call her mother of all the dead <laughs> because she brought, right? 
Now everybody's going to die. And Adam, by faith, calls her the mother of all living. You know why he does that? Because God gave him a promise in verse 15. He said, you know, you guys have ruined it, but you two going to have a baby. And, uh, and, and lady, you're going to have a seed, and that seed's going to bruise the head of the serpent. We call uh, Genesis 3.15 in, in theological circles and all these uppity, you know, schools, we call that the proto-evangelium. That means that's the first place in the Bible where the good news of the gospel, the good news of salvation is mentioned. There was hope given by God in the middle of their sin. God says, you've messed it up. Everything's under a curse, but I am going to take care of I'm going to send forth one of the woman that's going to bruise the head of the devil and take care of this curse. And Adam must have believed that because he says, you're the mother of all living. Life is going to come from you. We're going to get life again because of God's promise of giving a child through you. Of course, that wasn't Abel and that wasn't Cain and that wasn't Seth. But that seed of the woman, God sent forth his son in the fullness of time. Born of that woman to redeem us from that curse. And I believe Adam believed what God said about the promise of life. And I believe also that Adam had faith to believe that. Because when God, I believe they watched him sacrifice and without the shedding of blood there is no remission and God killed that animal and clothed them because I think that that Abel and I think those children that that were bringing those sacrifices after got a lesson from mom and dad you know we're all sinners and something's got to die there's got to be a substitute and blood must be shed I believe Adam and Eve Believed that promise of life. Adam and Eve saw that sacrifice that God shed for their clothing. And then I see something else about Adam that makes me think he he believed God for that forgiveness. You know, when God talks about Adam in the New Testament, whether it's Romans chapter 5 or 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he mentions him with Jesus. Just follow me. In Romans chapter 5, the Bible says this about Adam. He says, Adam is the figure of him that was to come. Adam is a type of Jesus Christ in the Bible. By one man, sin, that's Adam, death passed. He said, but just like that, by one man's obedience, everybody's going to be made righteous. They're going to be a gift of all of life. Adam and Jesus, you say, how can Adam and Jesus, I mean, Adam ruined everything. You know what? He didn't ruin Eve's life. Guys, listen, Adam was not deceived in the transgression. Adam never bought the bill of goods from the devil. But his wife came to him. And he looks at his wife for the first time, and she's not the same. And the glory is gone. And death has invaded her life. And he knows that she sinned. And she, he, Adam knows this. The day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. 
and she was dead in trespasses and sins. She was dead spiritually right there when she took of that fruit. She died on the inside. Dead! And Adam looked at his wife and he had a choice to make. I can let her die and I can keep on living in my perfect environment without her. Or I will take upon me what she took upon her. And in so doing, he died with her and identified with her sin to rescue her, to be with her because he loved her. Adam was not deceived. He knew exactly what he was doing, but he didn't want her to die without him. You see that love? You know what Jesus did? Jesus took of your sin. Jesus took the death penalty. Why? Because He loves you. He doesn't want to live without you. He wants you to live with Him. And Jesus was willing to die so that we might live. And the only hope that Eve's going to have is if Adam will be her Savior and those children come and there'll be a Redeemer come from the sea. That's the only hope she has. So I believe that Adam saw that plan of God and he was willing. But what a God of forgiveness that we have. The Bible says, And you being dead in your sins, hath he quickened, having forgiven you all trespasses. Acts 13, 38, Through this man, Jesus Christ, is preached unto you. The forgiveness of sins. There is no forgiveness of sins without Jesus Christ. Acts 26, 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins. And inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith. That is in me. Would you go to Psalm chapter 86 really quick. I want to show you two verses in Psalms about God's forgiveness. You know, that's good for Adam and Eve, but what about me, preacher? I see God's forgiveness in his calling out to man. I see God's forgiveness in his clothing man. Only a forgiving God would keep calling out to them. Only a forgiving God would have clothed them. The Bible said in Psalm chapter 86, Psalm 86, verse number 5, For thou, Lord, art good, that's Genesis 1, And ready to forgive. That's Genesis 3. And plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. But you're not going to get mercy and you're not going to get forgiveness if you don't want it. He's not going to force it on you. You've got to call upon him. You've got to desire it. You've got to see your guilt. You've got to want the answer for your sin. But he's ready. Look at that. He's ready to forgive. But people aren't ready to be forgiven. They're like Pharaoh. Hey, you want the frogs? You want the plagues to go away? He says, maybe tomorrow. One more night with my sin. One more night with all the filth. One more night of being unforgiven. Don't spend another day without coming to the forgiveness of God. He's ready. I just don't know if God will forgive me. He's ready. That's not the question. The question is, are you repentant? 
The question is, do you want your sin gone or are you just going to hold on to it and love it and let it take you down the drain? Psalm 130. Are you forgiven this morning? Only the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, can cleanse us from all sin. Psalm 130. The Bible said in verse number 3, If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? Lord, if you're looking at us and you're just checkmarking all of our iniquities, none of us are going to stand. But it said, verse 4, But there is forgiveness with thee. No matter what we've done, no matter how bad it is, there's forgiveness with thee. That thou mayest be feared. Now, Now, wait, wait. Jesus said this, if your brother sin against you and he repent, then forgive him. Now, I'll make it very clear. Without a change of heart, without a repentance in your heart, you'll have no forgiveness. You've got you to have a change in your heart. See, he's ready to forgive, but a lot of people aren't ready to repent. They're not ready to turn from their sin and turn to Christ. They're not ready to do that. Why? I don't know. Everything's cursed. Everything's falling apart. Let Him clothe you. Get in His presence again. He's a God of forgiveness. And if He marks iniquities, you don't have a prayer. There is forgiveness of God with God. But the Bible says that thou mayest be feared. In other words, sometimes people talk about the forgiveness of God being so cheap. When I preach on the forgiveness of God, it ought to all make us fear the Lord. Because, go back to our text in Genesis chapter 3. Because I see a forgiving God doing one other thing. He not only called out to Adam, he not only clothed Adam and Eve, but he did something else. That was the source of, only a forgiving God would do this. A vengeful God would never do this. In Genesis chapter 3, The Bible says in verse number 22, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man. And he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. We see a forgiving God calls out to him. A forgiving God clothes him. And a forgiving God drives them out of the garden. You say, that don't sound like too forgiving. Oh, if he wanted to get back at them, you know what he'd let them do? He'd let them walk right over that tree of life and took that tree of life. You know what they did? They they, They would be living hell on earth forever. They'd have never got out of a body that's cursed. Do you see that? Remember, if you take of the tree of life, you live forever, right? Who wants to live forever in a body of pain? Who wants to live forever in a body of sorrows and curse? They would have walked around like the living dead forever and ever and ever. And only a forgiving God said, get out of here. I I, I can't let you do that. I don't want you to walk around with a flesh. You know, one of the great things about being saved is, amen, I'm not going to, one of the greatest gifts of God is that I'm not going to have to stay in this body forever. 
Death is a blessing. Because it's the gateway to glory. It's the gateway to having a new body and to be like Jesus forever and a change to take place. I'm telling you, God was so forgiving in that He was going to let them die. Can you imagine having to live not 900 years, not a thousand. Adam and Eve would still be walking around in pain and sorrow and hurt today if he didn't drive them out of the garden. Corruption. You know what God could have done? Yeah, go, go ahead and let them take that tree. They deserve it. They ruined everything else. They deserve to walk the planet like dead people. But he didn't do that. He drove them out. Wouldn't let him, he wouldn't let it get any worse. But that leads me to the last thing I want to say. With that little thought in mind, would you go to the book of Exodus chapter 34? There was great mercy with God in driving them out of the garden. There was great mercy with God by letting them die naturally instead of living forever in a cursed condition. Exodus chapter 34. But this is what we want. I'm going to read Exodus 34. The Bible said in verse number 6, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. Watch it, watch it, watch it. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. It doesn't matter what you're guilty of here this morning. God has forgiveness for you. If you'll repent, you'll come to Him. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And we want to stop there, but that's not where the verse stops. And that by no means, that will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, under the third and to the fourth generation. I'm going to come down here and I'm going to finish my message. We have a wrong sense and a wrong view of forgiveness. This is what man wants. Man wants to be forgiven and then everything to go back like it was. This is important. Come here, you need to listen to me now. Well, I asked for forgiveness, so let's just take it all back like it was. It can never go back like it was. Do you see that with Adam and Eve? Though they're forgiven, though they're clothed, though God loves them. It can't go back the way it was. You know why? There is always a consequence for sin. And he says, I have got forgiveness for iniquity and transgression and sin. And I can forgive you of anything. But there's always going to be consequences and it's going to affect you. And it's going to affect your children. And it's going to affect your children's children. And we are living in a world, though God had forgiveness for Adam and Eve, 
We are living with the result of the consequence of sin. And this is what people think. Oh, God will forgive me and everything will be all right. Yeah, you you can be right with God. You can get cleaned by God. But there will be consequences that you don't want to live with for the rest of your life. Here comes the unwed mother of the teenage girl that committed fornication. And now she's with child. And she comes to God and says, I won't, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I repent. And the Lord says, I'll forgive you. But it can't go back the way it was. You can't get back your innocence. You, you, know, you know what people ask the church to do? The people ask the church to act like nothing happened. There's still a baby coming. There's still a consequence of sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can go to God. If you're a drunk, you ruin your liver or you're a dope head or whatever, and you blow your brains out on all kind of drugs, you can come to God. Amen. If you're addicted to, to some wickedness, you can come to God and He will forgive you, but it won't go back the way it was. We think forgiveness just resets everything, and it doesn't. Forgiveness just means that you're, you're right with God. It doesn't mean that your consequences have to change. Here comes a person that was involved in ministry in a church somewhere. And they sin against God and they come and say, I'm sorry, I've committed this sin. There's forgiveness with God, but we can't forget like that didn't happen. You understand what I'm saying? There's forgiveness, but it can't go back the way it was. And I think in our twisted minds, we think God is so forgiving that all I have to do is say I'm sorry and everything will just reset. And it don't work that way. They had to leave the garden. There is no more paradise. There is no more serenity. There is no more ground without thorns. And there is a consequence that you have to live with. It may be cirrhosis of the liver. It may be pains of body that you have to experience. There are things that you'll reap from the sowing of your sin. Even if you get forgiveness, and this is what the Bible is saying, I'm ready to forgive. There's forgiveness with God, but you need to fear because though I'll forgive you, I'm not going to clear it all. There is still something coming down to you and your children because of it. You know, if there's certain people that are involved in certain sins, it's so dark in our society, and I won't even go into them. There's forgiveness, but that doesn't mean that we're going to let you sit in church and possibly defile somebody's child when you backslide. You understand? You know, if you're a proud person and you backslide... That's bad. If you do things with little children backslide. You you, you hear what I'm saying? Forgiveness does not mean that everything goes away. It just means you get to get right with God. So the next time the devil says, Ah, don't worry about it. 
That's what the world said. God forgives. He's a loving God. He'll forgive. Yeah, He will. And then He'll let you live with your pain. Because He didn't always take it away, guys. You know, what if Adam and Eve said, Lord, we're sorry. We're sorry. Can't we go back in the garden? No, you can't go back in the garden. Lord, we're really sorry. We just did it once. Can, can, can you let, let it go back? I forgive you, Adam. I forgive you, Eve. You're clothed. I'll minister to you. But everything's changed because of your sin. There is forgiveness with God. He is a God of forgiveness. But that's not cheap. And it doesn't change everything you want changed. Now, there are people right here this morning that need forgiveness. And it's available. But knowing the consequence, if you don't let the Lord clean your heart and clean your mind, why would you continue on outside of the fellowship and the cleansing power of the Lord? And if you're not saved here this morning... It's only the devil telling you there's no consequence. There is a consequence. There is a hell. And he didn't want you to go there. But you better find the God of forgiveness for Jesus' sake. God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you.